Welcome to episode 55 of For the Love of Guns. That's right, this is the double nickel episode. And I've got Rod from Aegis Gun Care. Now, Rod's been on the podcast before, but this is a little different. Yes, we're going to talk a little bit about Aegis Gun Care products because, well, there was a flood in the studio here, as you may know from other social media channels, and I had a gun that, well, was rusted. It got in that water and it was really bad. And Rod walked me through removing the rust. And yes, we use Aegis Gun Care products to do that. And we're going to talk a little bit about that on the show is what you can do when guns get wet and you get rust. And um, he's going to talk a little bit about guns that went through hurricanes. He sent me pictures during the podcast and I was bringing them up and you get to see before and after shots. Now, before we talk to Rod, let's pay the bills. And this episode is brought to you by you. You're the reason I can continue to bring content, but I need your help to continue to do that. All I need you to do is before you do your online shopping, go to www.trb.fyi, go up into the menu, click partners and discounts, find the place that you're going to shop, click that link and a small portion of your shopping will come back to the channel. And the greatest thing is, it's not gonna cost you a penny more. And notice it said partners and discounts. Some of these places even have discount codes. That's right, you can save money by helping me bring you additional content. Now with the bills paid, let's talk to Rod because this is a different podcast format than, well, you're used to. Rod and I just get on here and we just get talking right off, right off the beginning. It's just a really good, relaxed conversation. And that's what we wanted to do. We just wanted to have a conversation and just kind of chill out and just enjoy talking about guns. Rod, tell me about your love of guns. I've lived most all my life in Wyoming, Idaho, or Texas. So and Wyoming and Idaho being two of the most gun-free conservative states I've ever seen. It's, it's funny. I remember uh, back when I was traveling for my day job, was, uh, it, I, I remember taking, uh, taking my gun into Idaho. You know, I just strap it on, and, you know, on my hip and, and go because I had a concealed carry permit in Montana. And my wife's like, or not in Idaho, into Wyoming. And uh, my wife's like, can we do that? I go, Wyoming doesn't care. <laughs> they, just, they just flat out don't care. Just don't be stupid. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Yeah. <clears throat> and it, it's yes. funny because that's, I, there's a range that um, I shoot at here. And I remember um, a guy I used to work with, he's like, where do you shoot? And I, I tell him the range and he goes, well, what are the rules? I go, don't be an a-hole. <laughs> that's pretty much the rules. Yeah, I was a member of a private club in Texas outside of Houston. A Marine owns a good friend of mine. He started up several years ago. He was one of the very first members. It's a cool place. And there are no range officers. Members are the range officers. If somebody's doing stupid, something's stupid, other members will come up and let you know. Yep. You know, yeah. just don't be an idiot. That, that's exactly this range. And it, it's kind of it's nice and scary at the same time, right? 
it's nice because you just you get to sit back and relax and enjoy the sport. It's scary because some people are well, they're idiots. Well, <laughs> they do stupid stuff. But this range go, wasn't. Hey, yeah, this range wasn't scary like that because it wasn't an open to the public range. It was a member only, and you had to be too. vetted. You had to be vetted uh, to even get in. Yeah, our our vetting process was: Do you have forty dollars? And now, see, this one wasn't. They actually, I think they started doing all the new members. Now running background checks, and then before you had to go out with one of the ranking members or the owner for the first hour or so you're at the range and shoot with him and with, or somebody he designated for that before they deemed you safe and let you out on your own. Yeah. There was so. a, there was a range I belonged to in Maryland back when we used to live in Maryland that that's what it was. You had to go through their safety course and then they would take you to the range, right? And it was an indoor range. So it was, you know, just a couple of doors and then you'd have to you'd have to prove your competency with the types of firearms that you're, you plan to shoot and you would get checked out on your membership for that. So if you yeah. wanted to shoot a revolver, you had to get checked out on a revolver. You wanted to shoot a semi-auto, you know, whatever action you were, you had to choose pro uh, competency. And the nice thing about it was, is they weren't there to like deny you. They were there. That, that person was there to make sure you were safe. And they were there until you qualified. Yeah, you, just, you didn't you didn't have to do any real qual actual qualifications at this range, but you were watched and you just knew. And it was what, yeah, which was kind of cool about it is it was a total. They have um, tactical base with steel, and you could shoot and move, draw and shoot, run tactical courses, whatever you want. You know, which yeah, which was fun. That's the range down here in um, in Maryland that I, I shoot at is, yeah, they just, they're just bays that are dug in. And then as long as you, your bullet was in the bay, you didn't violate the 180 rule. No one, no one cared what you did. I mean, you want to set some steel up in there. Uh, there's some bays that had plates. Uh, they had all kinds of oxy tanks that they welded rebar up that you could just move around in bays and shoot on. Um the one thing used to drive us nuts is people shooting magnums and right, uh, you know, mag especially magnum rifles on the steel plates. Punching oh, yeah. Holster and we're like, God, God, would you guys stop doing that? It's just, you're ruining it for everyone. That's uh, any most private ranges. That's a good way to get kicked out. Yeah. Start yeah. poking holes yeah. in steel. Because I remember, um, I remember one day I was down there shooting and I had my AR converted over to 22. So I was just shooting 22s out of my AR. And um, later on, I found out this was the vice president of the range. Uh, I found out he was vice president of the range because he came to me for a firearm transfer one time back, back when I was in FFL. I'm like, oh, that's who you were. Um, and, you know, he was he saw someone shooting on plates with a rifle and he, he stopped. He's like, he just came up and he was really cool about it. He's like, hey, uh, how you doing? And he's just. We're just talking. He goes, um, you know, um, there's no rifles on the plates. I go, it's converted down to a 22. He goes, you're good. <laughs> he just got back in his yeah. truck and just took off. I'm like, it's okay. It's it, it's 22. And he's like, you're good. Um, yeah, that's how yeah. ours was because you could shoot your PCCs there and stuff. Just yep. nothing that was going to poke a hole. And those plates yeah. were allowed in the tactical bays. Yeah. And um, 
that is a cool thing about this thing. You know, they would shoot. Um, they had all kinds of shoots. They actually, they actually, this range makes their money on competition shooting. So they would have uh, cowboy action shooting and all kinds of stuff. You know, three guns. So it was really designed to be a range that you moved around inside the base. Yeah, well, that's the way it should be. That's why I hate going to indoor ranges in place where you have to stand there static, flat-footed. You can't draw. You can't shoot more than one round every second or two. It's just like, yeah, yeah no, I don't think so. Yeah. There's nothing realistic yeah. about that. Nope, nope. And I had, um, I had that, yeah, there was a range. There was a range in Delaware that we used to shoot at. It was great for sporting clays and trap, but their, their rifle pistol was, it was a bunker. I mean, they, they dug it in. It was a bunker with with baffles. They put a red flag up when there was shooting in there. The RO would be there. You can only load eight rounds, one round per second. And, yeah, you would get uh, – they would ban people pretty quick there. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. They'd really freak yeah, out if you brought a full auto in there then, wouldn't they? Yeah. They, they, no, they, that would not be good. <laughs> The, the Renaissance Gun Club that I was a member of at Houston, you could bring full auto, anything you wanted to do. They didn't See, care. That's the, thing. that's the thing. With this range in Montana here, they don't care. Um, and usually on 4th of July, it's not like a sponsored thing, but apparently on 4th of July, and I say apparently, I've actually seen it, um, everybody with brings their Class 3 down there to uh to shoot and you will see you will see some really cool guns get shot oh, that day um because everybody everybody with a with a full auto is down there shooting and having a good old time um that's cool and it's and it's noisy um it's it's really noisy but it was so cool is you know even if you're just there shooting your stuff and someone's shooting full auto you could walk by like hey you want some trigger time? I'll I'll let you squeeze off some rounds. You know they're really cool about it. But yeah, that's well, that's cool. What a what a what a great thing for Fourth of July is go, go is go play with some full auto. It's just horrible. <laughs> I know it's terrible. We you know we we just got we got to stop that right. Can't have fun. Can't have oh fun. well. Cool. Well, we kind of started on, <laughs> we got off track, yeah, but we yeah. Well, Which is fine, I don't with care. Us. Yeah, we have a good time. This is this is supposed to be a fun podcast this time, but definitely for those who don't know about Aegis, what, what's Aegis? Well, um, other, than Aegis? A, other than a missile system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and not to correct you or anything, but there's two two um, acceptable ways to pronounce it. There's Aegis and Aegis, Aegis. And, and we go with Aegis, but I could care less as long as it's not something like, well, I, I don't even want to go down that road. Never mind. Just as long as it's... <laughs> I, I don't know who know might what, see this, I so I'll what, try to be nice. I know, what, I know what road you're trying to go down. <laughs> but, yeah. So, but we go with, with Aegis and quick to bust through this real quick but for those that don't know what aegis was was which has a lot to do with how we came up with that name and our products and stuff is aegis was a um 
uh, magical breastplate, a shield for Zeus and Athena in Greek mythology that protected them. And it basically, he just basically means shield. And so that's why we went with that for our company name, because our product, especially our lubricant, it's a shield for your firearms with everything that we have in it, the way it's been built and the rust inhibitors and everything else. It's, it's a shield. So he just, just sounded just fit, you know, to it, shield yeah, your firearms. It, it totally, it's totally like the perfect name for your products. Um, that's why we one of the big hashtags I always use is this hashtag Aegis protects because that's what it does. This is what our product then, is meant to do. And and in a little bit, you're going to find out it does a little more than protecting. But oh, yeah, because yeah, because you have and I have them right here. You have the cleaner. Yes. And the loop. And then did you? Before we get to the next thing, did you finally sell out? No, I've got a little bit of that left. A little bit of the, a little bit of the old stuff. No, they remixed the lube that we're going to talk about here. They got a new one, new and new and improved. Um, but yeah, it's it, it it's just the perfect name for for your products because it's it's just it, the stuff runs really well in in the firearms. Well, we think so. I mean, it's plus the other thing we did. And again, I always try to be careful what I say. I mean, because how do I want to put it? Being in the gun industry, people are, everybody wants to show you that they know more than you or they want to get offended real quick. You know, so by no means by saying this, am I knocking any other product or company or method? But we 100% at EGIS believe that cleaning a gun is a two, two product deal you clean a gun then you lube a gun we just don't adhere to the one product does everything i mean that's great a lot of people does do it it works fine we just think this is a better way of cleaning a firearm it's just our stance on it it's funny because i remember when you were on the podcast before I, i asked you about that and what one of the quotes you had there i thought was perfect you know, like you're talking about CLP, right? Clean, lube, protect. You know, it does everything, but it doesn't do anything perfect. Right? No, it's, it, why not? We believe in having two products that do what they do very well. Instead of one problem, product that does everything okay. Yeah. You know, so, but there are times, and I, I've said this many times, and I firmly believe this, I think there are uses for CLP. And I think the military in combat war zones is one of those. I understand why the military uses CLP, and it's not a bad idea. Um, it's just easy. It's quick. It's less to carry. It's, as I used to always say, and I'll add, I wasn't in the military as law enforcement, but I'll add military too. It's, it's cop and soldier proof. Yeah. You know, it's easy to do. Well, so. It, it also solves a logistical problem, right? Because you just yeah. have one product and then you don't have to worry about, you know, hey, because there's a reason why you have two size bottles, right? Because you're going to use more of this than you use of this. Yeah. Um, for try, those of you try on the to... audio side, it's, you use more cleaner than you use the oil. You should. <laughs> <laughs> if, if everything Our lubricant. Correctly. 
our two ounce bottle of lubricant should last quite a while. It really should. Well, it's funny. I'm sitting here. I mean, I, God, I use this stuff on everything. Um, and your company, you know, is a year old now. Um, we were talking on the phone and I think, I think I was like order number 14 on the website and I have this much left and I use this thing on damn near everything. Yeah. It, it, doesn't take much of our product at all unless you like to run your your weapons very wet like some people that are customers buy a lot because they adhere to the method of running theirs wet and each to his own i'm not a person to jump in and judge somebody and say, oh that's stupid that's wrong if that's what you prefer to do then by god do it if it works for you awesome. you know so. more sales for you right yeah <laughs> I, I if you used a bottle every time you cleaned your gun i'm good you keep doing that <laughs> yeah, we support you in that. <laughs> you, so you have an awesome mission, and we're behind you all the way. Yep, do it. <laughs> it should be dripping off your gun at all times. <laughs> so you do you, but yeah, that's kind of where we stand. We, we firmly believe in all that. Um, I've actually been doing this for a while, and have cleaned tens of thousands of guns. So kind of got an idea what, what works, what doesn't work, you know? So no, it is what it is. So, so it's funny cause we were talking on the phone the other night, uh, which actually led you, led you, you to be a uh, podcast. Yes. Again. Um, and let me bring it up here for, for those of you who don't know, uh, there was a flood in the studio here and we're still trying to get everything done. And my very first SIG P320 was still in the range bag that was on the floor in the flood. And it took me a while before I got to my range bag because we were trying to get everything out of here really fast. And unfortunately for you on the audio side, you can't see the rusted gun. <laughs> it was, it's up on the screen. Now, fortunately, that is surface rust. I mean, it's not a... Uh, you know, a pitting rust, but it was surface rust. And um, there's the other side. And, um, you know, I remember, Rod, with you, you know, you cleaning lots of guns. And I remember, you know, a few years ago, you did, an, you did some before and after pictures about rusted guns. And I'm like, hey, I know Rod. I've got his products. Let me... Let me find out about how he does that because well, I have a use case for this. And then, um, so let me add this back in. So there's a, you on the video side, there's a little closer up of, of the uh, slide. And then I started doing this stuff and then Rod and I got on the phone and well, that's the gun today. Um, you don't see that rust on that gun. Now, uh, Rod, talk to me a little, you know, talk to the audience a little bit about what we talked about on the phone when we were doing this. No, it's just that, yeah, when we talked, when you called and we started talking about it, I mean, rust is rust. I mean, depending on like anything else, everybody knows it depends how deep it is. If it's pitted, you're just, you got problems. There's no fixing that really. I don't want to say no fixing there is, but it's going to cost you a lot of time and money. If you don't know how to do it yourself, but my guns like you had that, that surface rust is a lot of times it'll just be barely into the finish and it might damage your finish a little bit in the outcome, but 
your main concern is just getting the rust off and stop the rusting process. Because you know, I and, mean, there were there are spots on that slide that, that it it did go through the finish, um, which which I know we, we talked on the phone that when when that happened, really I'm buying time at this time, right? I mean, I know you know when I saw the gun, I'm like, that's going to be. I know I'm going to be putting that through the blast cabinet. I'm gonna I'm gonna coat that, and of course, that's all stuff that I can do. The the average person can't. But what's great yeah. about it is when when we talked about this and and really, you know, I cleaned the gun because I did shoot it, so I might as well clean it. But mostly, we were working with just your lube on that, right? Because yeah, you know, the lube was getting into you know into it. You were talking uh, talk a little bit about the the molecular the molecular uh, just, stuff. It's just that it's an it's at a nano level, so it's really 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 small molecules and stuff and so it really gets into stuff anything that's at a nano is a nano lube it's going to get in there good and with i mean our our cleaner will take rust off too which i think you found you used it at first it yep but and not i'm going to go out and say this like i told you on the phone i i think our lube works better but if you're just trying to get surface rough and just about most lubes on the market will work as long because all you do is just like we talked in the way you did is just put a little bit of lube, let it soak in, get it on all the rust on like on your slide, let it set for a minute and then just get some four aught steel wool, which I'm sure there'll be people out there in the gun world going, Oh my God, that's a mortal sin. What did he say? What a moron. But you know what? It's, it works great. You just don't put a lot of elbow grease elbow into it. You don't bear down on it. You just take nice little strokes and you'll take that rust right off and not hurt the finish around it. You know, I've actually used 2000 grit sandpaper before, too, in our shop. Because people don't think about that. Um, you know, you could bring a gun to a gun dealer and say, I want, you know, I'll, I want to sell this gun. And, you know, they either they're going to buy it out or they're going to put it on the rack to sell. And you get some rust on it. They don't. <laughs> the, the people behind the counter know that they're going to take steel wool to that gun because if it's just a light rust on it they're just going to just lightly go across it to, to knock that rust off they're going to oil it and they're going to put it on the rack and the next person's not even going to know that rust was ever even there see and a lot of times and i think you found this out too you don't even need steel wool i've been at several gun shows and have some personal person not a gun store but some old timer somebody sitting next to me selling old guns and stuff and they have rust on the barrel i've just taken our lube poured it on their barrel, rubbed it in a little bit, let it set for a minute, and then just taken a rag and just wiped it right up the barrel, and all the rest came right off. Yeah, you know? and, and on and that SIG, I didn't use the steel wool. I mean, that thing just took it right off, which is great. I mean, that's, you know, obviously getting to it sooner than later is better, but that that's what I was doing with you on the phone. I wasn't even using the steel wool. I was just, I was just doing, you know, right onto a paper towel, and it was just, it started coming right off. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is cool, right? Because <laughs> you were, we were talking about the still wool possibly have, and of course we're doing this on the phone. You don't, you're not even seeing the gun. Um, you just, yeah, you, know, you were just going by my description over the phone and uh, with, you know, you having cleaned so many thousands of guns, you, you just know this stuff, right? I mean, this is, well, this is all just what you've done. Well, we got a lot of practice down in Houston during after Hurricane Harvey too. 
Yeah, yeah, you we, got a lot of, we had a lot of practice on rusty guns. Yeah, now you were telling me that story on the phone. That's a great, that's a great story because I mean, basically, I had a mini Hurricane Harvey here in the basement. Um, you were you you received a lot of guns. You know, people were coming in with their guns that were went through. You know, they flooded, and oh, yeah. and you know, it, it's great is that you know some of these guns. Obviously, you know, some of the guns were worse than others. But this is, you know, when you're talking about going through a major disaster, if you have if you have a lot of guns and they've been through that, that's a lot of money to fix those finishes. Well, the thing um, is, yeah, and it's not that real quick story about Hurricane Harvey. I had a good customer come in and he had some shotguns, some Benelli's and stuff, and they were in bad shape. And he'd had like a, a hunting cabin type, he called it, it was off of his property and where he kept guns and a lot of hunting stuff and other there on his property. Well, it got full, it, got, it was all the way underwater and he couldn't get to it. Well, when he finally got to it, he took the guns out, brought them to his house. He goes, I didn't have any gun oil or anything on me, so I couldn't really put anything on them. And he brought them to us like that. Well, they were in bad shape. And the bad thing about it is I looked at him and I said, Dude, you didn't even have any motor oil. I, that's what I was thinking. I and he I, goes, "By God, yes." I said, "You could have." I said, "It's not a great, but I said any petroleum, any kind of gun lube product at that point is emergency. You could have just poured the the motor oil over him, and it would have helped better than." And he was like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> like I have a lot of motor oil. I said, "God, it's even, better than even, just even leaving him with, with a rag and <laughs> just get some out of the crankcase would be better." It's better than leaving them just like that. It'll get some because you get some petroleum or something with rust inhibitors like ours has something that's going to at least help stop that rust pro process. It'll get that stop. Because you're talking about time at that point, right? I mean, it's only a matter of time. So yeah. anything you can do to, to to get that stopped, right? You don't want it to. It may not solve the problem, but at least stop it from getting worse. Uh, put some oil on oil and water. Don't mix, right? Get oil on it so it'll displace the water until you can well, get to somebody to do something a little more professional. There's where our product comes in. You just said it displays. All your petroleum-based products don't displace water because oil really? floats on water. True. That's oh. right. Oh, oil is. I remember that. Yeah. Oil is lighter product. than water. See, our product, e just being a uh, synthetic product we have a higher specific gravity than water so we actually you pour our stuff into a cup of water it sinks to the bottom so this it, it truly displaces water that's true water displacement and i'm not going to say any names but there's some products out there in the gun world that say they displace water which is total bs because you pour them into a glass of water and they float they just put a sheen over the top of the water they're not displacing anything yeah you know nothing yeah, at all I, I totally forgot about that from from talking to you in the past about your your product is heavier than water which yeah, yeah it, it it physically at that it physically displaces the water because the water can't be underneath of it well the thing is as i tell people is take i had a i went into a gun shop right outside of houston was with a friend it was his gun shop and he wanted me to get the guy to carry our products. Well, I went in there with this product and 
I was explaining to the old timer, the gunsmith, good gunsmith, built guns, did everything for like 40 years. He'd done it. And I was telling him about pouring it into water and how ours sinks to the bottom and most stuff in the Marvian petroleum floats on the top. And he looks at me and goes, well, son, you don't get it. That's what you want. And I looked at him and I go, excuse me? He goes, well, yeah, yours sinking to the bottom. It's not doing anything. It's going away. The water's pushing it down. And I was dumbfounded it. for a second. Well, if it's pushing it down, then the water can't get to what's underneath of it. <laughs> I looked at him and I said, no, you're not getting what I'm talking about. You don't get how this is working. He goes, well, see, you put this stuff that I use, and I won't tell the brand name he used. He goes, it sets on top of the water, so it's holding the water down. <laughs> and I'm like, and I, to be honest with you, it took me a minute or just sitting there. I'm sure I had a deer in the headlight look trying to figure his logic out. And I tried to explain to him about having a higher specific gravity and everything. He just wasn't listening. It was, he had been working on guns for 40 or 50 years. And I finally just told my buddy, I said, well, you have a nice day, sir. And we left. I'm just like, I guess we're done. What's funny is being a gunsmith, he should understand the basics of physics, right? I mean, really, you're talking about the basics of physics at that point. And I was just some dumb kid to him that was I'm 50, 50 some years old, but I was just a dumb kid trying to explain something to him. And I didn't know, have a clue what I was talking about. And well, I was just like, okay, we're done. So, so to him, basically a gun sock, you know, a silicone impregnated gun sock is a great thing, right? Cause it, it'll keep the water inside the gun sock. Yeah. There you go. I, I don't know. It was kind of funny. I had to laugh. I'm like, okay, whatever. But now it, it's neat. It's an interesting thing. You know, we, we in the gun community are unique types. Most. Yeah. You think? <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I, I don't very often talk about my opinion of most gun people and stuff. Cause Oh well. Why are are you are you saying that gun people are opinionated? And if not, not I'll say it. <laughs> not at all. I don't mind being opinionated, but don't yeah, be an idiot about it. I yeah, guess exactly. At least at least be open to reason, right? You can have your own opinion, but at least be open to reason. You know, that's like we go to gun shows all the time. We do a lot of gun shows. We have a lot of people come up to our booth, and they'll go. Well, I use blank, 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 blankety blank. And I've always used it. And it's better than your product. I'm going, okay, that's fine. I said, but, and you'll hear this a lot. And it's amazing how many times I hear it. And I'm just like, well, now you're just talking from a place of ignorance because you don't know. Yeah. Maybe your product is better, but you don't know nothing about our product for you. You're just because it's all you use. But I had one guy come up to me and he was pretty cool about it. He goes, I use so-and-so, so-and-so, and I've always used it. He goes, I respect that you're a local company here in Idaho, and I think your product's probably great. But my only reason for staying with what I have, it's because what I use, it's what my dad used, and it's all I've ever used. He goes, I don't yeah. know that it's better than he goes, I don't know that it's better than your product. I said, Well, at least I can respect that. You know? So it's it's funny you're talking about that because I'm looking on a basket that's on my pegboard over there, and I see some bottles of oil, 
gun oil that uh, honestly they're probably 40 years old um <laughs> you know because because we just kept extra bottles with us and you know every every time i go to the range i always make sure i have something with me yeah um and i'm thinking about when the way i learned how to clean a gun as a kid versus how I, how I relearned how to clean a gun as an adult um, is completely different, right? I mean, the, the methodology that I use is different. Um, the products I use is different. I'm, I'm thinking through my head. I must have, since, you know, I've been shooting 40 years now. Yeah. I must have been through five or six different lubes as, as the new stuff comes up. I, I've changed my methodology of what I'm going to use based on newer science. See, I didn't till I got into this industry. I was a one brand person. I used one brand my whole life. And it was when I grew up, it was damn near cologne. And I, I don't mind telling you, it was Hoppy's number nine. That's all we used. That's, those those that's, are the bottles I'm looking at over there. All anybody used. I mean, it was, it was, it was damn near cologne, yep. you know, but, and that's all I use. So I, I was that person too. I was sold on something because everybody before me told me, told me it, as I was coming up, it was the only thing you should use. It was the big name. It had name recognition. Yeah, it's been around and, forever. You know, and then I found out there's, there's a whole different world out there. And technology is wonderful if you'll embrace it once in a while. I mean, just just the um, the ultrasonic cleaner alone has changed how I think about cleaning some some guns or some parts of guns. Right? I mean, man, if you're an AR shooter, you take a bolt carrier and drop that thing in an ultrasonic cleaner with the right solution in it. <laughs> Man, your life, your life just became so much easier. And and the right ultrasonic machine. Because yes. as you said, that's what my previous company, that's what we did. Is we professionally ultra, ultrasonically cleaned guns. And we had the best ultrasonic cleaning systems in the nation. And it made in this country. I guarantee you they're the best because we tried a lot. We played with stuff. And they weren't the small little ones that you buy at Brownells. Or, which yeah. worked great for the home tinker. Those are wonderful. Yep. They work great for it, but they were big industrial tanks. And what it would take one of them little Hornady ones or one of those other ones takes them 25, 30 minutes. Our machines would do it in three minutes and better, you know? So no, you're right. It's first time I got in the ultrasonic thing. And like you said, a bolt carrier group that had been abused for thousands and thousands of rounds or an AR that had been shot suppressed for 10,000 rounds. I was impressed. I'm like, holy hell, look at that. That would take you forever of soaking and scrubbing. I mean, and in three to I've three thought. to five minutes in our ultrasonic tanks, and they were done. They were clean. Yeah, I and I can guarantee I, you cleaner than cleaner than you could do it by hand yourself. Oh, totally. Totally. Because I mean, you that's the cool thing about watching an ultrasonic cleaner work is you can see the stuff coming off the surface. Oh, it. I mean, you'll you'll see like a uh, like a. I'll just use bolt carrier since we're talking about. It. You put that bolt carrier in there, you will see like a whole like, God, almost like a halo over top of the bolt carrier yep. on all surfaces. As we did some, off. 
we did under surface videos and stuff for promotion with my old company and i have some of the videos around still so you had a camera right down underneath the inside the solvent with it and just as soon as you turn the machine on within seconds you just see this brown cloud just start billowing out of the firearm and it's like holy cow yeah so no it's it's a neat thing and, and by the way, and, if anybody out there watching this wants to invest in an ultrasonic system, give me a ring. So that's another thing I do. I still, I'm still a distributor of, of ultrasonic tanks. Hmm. So I think you, you may just have become one of my next best friends. <laughs> yeah, but I'm very quick to tell people, and I probably chase away a lot of customers, they're not cheap. No. No. The base oh. level of the tanks we sell, and I guarantee you they're the best on the market, it's about $4,300 is but, your starting level. But that's like, but you're talking about solid stainless steel. Uh, how many transducers are on those things? That's the one with the transducer in it, uh, one big okay. one. But you can, you can um, dial up your intensity, your hertz, your heat, everything. You can... You can custom get it just how you want it to run. It'll run anywhere up to like 220 degrees. That's how hot you can get the lick, the solvent up to. Your hertz, you can crank way up or you can turn way down. And depending on how you do it, I mean, it's just, it, it's amazing. It's, and they're, It's a professional machine. Yeah, and that starting one is like, it's 36 inches wide by six, 36 inches long, eight inches, six inches wide and eight inches deep. So you can put God, a few ARs go. into it, a bunch of pistols at one time. God, you you could almost if if it wasn't for the transducers and stuff, you could almost do uh, hot you know hot solvent bluing in that thing. I mean that's a that's a good sized tank. Oh, with the company that we distribute for, and then all of our company, all of our tanks were from, they go all the way all the way up to a couple hundred gallon ultrasonic tanks. They're God. probably seventy, eighty thousand dollars to buy one of those, but still, they're but they're amazing. Yeah, the ones we did that we mainly sold mess with were either a six gallon tank or a nine gallon tank. So, but you you can get a lot of Glock pistols. I can tell you, and do that. The nine gallons, forty two by eight by eight. You can get a lot of pistols in there. Yeah, it's funny because I was just I was thinking about when I was um, when I was in FFL and I, I was selling, um, you know, I had some police trade in uh, Glocks. And and for those of you who don't know. If you're a dealer and you get police trade in guns, those things, those cops do not clean those guns before turning them in. They will take them out to the range, shoot them for the last time. And it's here you go. <laughs> Give me my new gun. That's nice. and clean. Oh, yeah. These things were, man, these things were dirty and messy. Um, and I ended up doing a little bit of wholesale off of these things. And people were like, you know, these other dealers were like, hey, can I get like 20 or 40 of these things? And I was like, sure, but I'm not cleaning them. <laughs> There's no way I'm cleaning 20 guns for you. And they're like, nah, it's okay. I got people in the to take care of that. Sorry, got a little bug, a little thick but, oh yeah, yeah. No, it's it's plum amazing. It's pretty cool actually to to be able to do. <coughs> I've got a now, ton of before and after after photos from guns that we ultrasonically clean 
that were just looked like a total loss when we got them. That, you see, and that's the cool thing about that. You have no idea how much a professional cleaning job will do, right? I mean, um, you know, when you have the right equipment, I mean, obviously, you know, a $4,200 tank is beyond the means of most home, you know, most gun owners, right? Oh, yeah. Unless you're, Unless you're a, a huge collector. Yeah, yeah, you're a huge collector. At that point, it's not even, that, that's an expense, that's an investment. Um, but, but how much did you pay for your gun collection, though, too? Oh, yeah. When you're talking tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. <clears throat> a $4,000 or $5,000 investment's nothing. No, it's it's nothing. Um, and that's that's the thing about it. I mean, they do such a good job. And you're talking about a collection. You're talking about preserving for, for guns. You know, you're preserving oh, yeah. these guns. You're not going to just let them go. I mean, these are not guns that come out of Iraq once a year and, you know, get white. Yeah, you're, you're handling with gloves and all kinds of stuff. Almost museum at that point. Yeah, depending some on, of them when you're... Depending on what type of collector, depending on how big your collection is, right? Yeah. No, it, you're right. It's That's the thing is it's it's out of reach for most the everyday shooter to have an ultrasonic, that good of an ultrasonic system. It just is. You know, we used to have a lot of people that probably have 40, 50 guns and think they want one and they they get a quote from us and they're like, oh my God. <laughs> like, well, and we well, also, we used to offer training too. So, well, no it's way. funny because you, you don't think about the training aspect of it though. Now that we're talking about it, it's like, I don't know, I just put a gun in and then I turn it on. Well, you know, like you were talking about, you can change the hertz, the intensity. There's more to it when you're at that professional level than your little, you know, plastic shell, you know, token stainless steel tub. Yeah, but you get into some of those bigger tanks and like that we had. There's a there's this also this misconception out there in the world that it's easy to you'll destroy guns because ultrasonics are bad. Well, that's BS too, but. You can destroy a gun. You can harm guns with ultrasonics if you don't do if you don't know what you're doing. Yep. You know you well, definitely, like, especially um, soft. You can pit soft metals, um, gold inlay on some nicer some of these fifteen oh, twenty thousand dollars shotguns. You'll pull that right out in two seconds. I didn't even think yeah. about that because what's what, what's going through my mind right now is uh, you know I have my father's Browning A5 with a gold trigger. I didn't even think about gold inlay and all the delicate see now the gold triggers the gold triggers you can be a little bit they're a little harder to deal with but you look at some of the the, the kriegoffs and some of the parazis and some of these really expensive shotguns they have gold gold inlay you'll pull those off in a new york second you'll just pull it right out yeah, of there I, yeah and even, even like browning or uh beretta where you have like the pheasants and stuff are gold and yeah you know, yeah you I didn't and think about that. I had a lot of people tell me, well, you can't you can't put anodized aluminum in ultrasonic. You'll destroy the gun immediately. Well, that's not true. I cleaned we cleaned a lot of guns for F1 firearms and a lot of F1 firearms who are anodized aluminum. And we never hurt one. I'm gonna say I, I'm I'm thinking about all the times I've cleaned an AR inside one and <laughs> uh I didn't think twice about it. Well, the thing is, is they had some pieces of anodized aluminum F1 did years ago 
and their head gun builder at the time got to be friends with him through some other people introduced me to him and he gave me some old pieces of anodized aluminum they had and i just took them back to our store and i cranked stuff all the way up and messed with it just to see what i could do before i heard it and even though it was a shock to me it's just it was harder to hurt than people had always told me but but don't get me wrong i did hurt a piece or two of it on the, the test stuff on purpose yeah you know you can well, so. I mean, nothing, nothing's perfect, right? I mean, you know, as, as much as, you know, Glock talks about the tenor for coding, let's face it, if I take a file to it, it's coming off, right? I'm going to leave a mark. Sooner so or later, these, you, you, get, you do get to a point where it's abuse. One of these days, oh, I don't know if you'll be able to see it. I hate to get too far off of track here, but you talk about, okay. <clears throat> let me see if I have that picture still real fast. You talk about that Glock coating, which is good. I mean, it's durable. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think I have that one on this. I got all these tons of before and afters collages. I'm trying to find a certain picture. Well, what, At some point, if I don't find it, I'll, I'll make sure to send it, it to you. Because you'll get a kick out of it. You should put it up on your Instagram. Well, I probably could and ask people if they, well, I'm going to tell the story, but. Yeah. But anyway, is that it? No, that ain't it. But anyway, this guy brings this Glock in that the slide is just trashed. Looks like it had been through a very high heat fire. And, of course, it was his wife that did it. So, <laughs> and it very well could have been because it was her gun, apparently. But I thought it, when he pulled it out of the case and he set it on the counter, I'm going, damn, how'd this get burned up so bad? He looks at me and laughs. He goes, wasn't in a fire. I go, you're kidding me. How's that not in a fire? He goes, to be honest, what this is, he goes, this is Coca-Cola at 105 degrees in Houston summer. <laughs> the story and what he said, and I, is his wife spilled her Coke and had her gun in there and her Yukon or and whatever it was, her Tahoe. She spilled her Coke in there and it went down and it got all over the gun. She didn't think nothing of it. She left it there for like two weeks in the hot Houston over 100 degrees. And with that heat, with that Coca-Cola, it just destroyed that finish. It yeah, was amazing. It was, well, it's funny because I'm thinking back when I was in college and I loaded trailers at UPS and I was a hazmat responder there. And I remember going through hazmat school and we were talking about, like, what do we need to treat as a hazmat? What we don't need to treat as a hazmat? You know, they, they gave us. Um, they, they gave us the scenario of transmission fluid and like uh, Coca-Cola syrup, right? For the, yeah. for the bottlers. And they're like, what's a hazmat and what's not? And we're like, well, that's a hazmat. You know, the, the, the uh, transmission fluid is a hazmat. The Coke is not. And they're like, why is the Coke not a hazmat? We're like, well, it's, it's edible. You know, that's kind of the, 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 the test. It's edible. And they're like, Okay, so this is not a Coke. This is the Coke syrup. 
And then they showed us the placarding for it. We're like, oh, crap. And they're like, then they showed us um, a video that they did where they took, you know, they put Coke into a, a plastic cup, just, you know, a bottle of Coke they opened up. And then they put a nail in, then did time lapse over a week. And we're like, wow, we're drinking that stuff. Well, that's, that's, I just said, I corrosive. found the picture. I found the picture and I just sent it to you through Instagram chat. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, I see here. I see I got it. Let me pull this thing. Oh, crap. The top picture oh. is when it came into the store. The bottom picture is all we could do with it. That's the best we could get it. Is it okay to show this on the uh, podcast? Yes. Yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah, that was the before and after. And that is Coca-Cola in a couple weeks in over 100 degree plus, 90 degree hit humidity in Houston in the console of the vehicle. God, the slide's almost white. All right, so it doesn't scale well, but let's see. Share. Uh, share screen. Window. There we go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is almost white. And I, I have no reason not to believe him because you could see, I should have taken a picture on the side of the slide, like on the back side. It's still, the Tenefer coating is still there and it still looks like a normal Glock. You know, but yeah. where that yeah. set on top of that gun, it was setting in that console and that just poured right down the top and just melted or just, that syrup got on there and just kind of made into a tar on top of that extreme heat. I almost want to take one of my Glock slides out and do this now. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just to do it. Um, you know, and I, I believe the guy, but I can't, I wasn't there when it happened. I just saw the after of it. So, but that's what his story was. Of that That's Coca-Cola for several weeks in hundred degree plus weather in a vehicle. Oh man, that's that's pretty rough. That's rough looking. I've I'll be honest with you, I've not seen a slide that has been that mistreated. Now, I've seen some guns that have been mistreated because my wife collects old Berettas, and I mean she has a she has a Beretta nineteen fifteen. The serial number goes back to nineteen sixteen is when it was made. Yeah. And you know, a, a gun like that, I expect problems. Right. I mean, you're going to have oh, yeah. some pitting. There's there's going to be things like that, but gosh, that's, I've, I've never seen that. I mean, it, oh. it got the plastic. They got everything. I, I didn't even charge him because he was a really good customer. Damn it. He's losing my phone, but he, he was a really good customer. And since I really couldn't do much with it, that was the best I could do on the bottom picture. I didn't even charge him for that one. I was like, man, we didn't really just, do much. So, just the story alone is worth just just giving them a, a free cleaning job on that. It's like, wow. But no, it's so. So let me ask you this then: What's the worst shape gun you've seen come in when you've been cleaning? That's one of them right there. Have you seen worse? Oh. Oh, I think so. Um, I was trying. I can. I was looking through some of these collages. I haven't looked at these in my this collage folder for a long time. <laughs> oh, here's one that was in um, Hurricane Katrina. Oh. 
And then it got pulled out of the water, got wrapped up in a blanket and left in this guy's grandfather's, the rafters of his garage after Katrina for almost three years. Ooh. Let me send this one to you real quick, too. That makes that makes my sig that sat in a gu in a wet gun rug for a week like child's play. Well, wait until you see this one. And he brought it in to us. Another good customer. He had inherited all this stuff after his grandfather died. And this was one of the guns that he shot as a kid with his grandfather. So he wanted something done with it. And I was kind of happy how this one turned out. But luckily, it was just a lot of mainly just surface rust. But the whole gun, you'll see it. The whole gun, all the metal part, it is amazing that the wood held up like it did because they kind of dried it off somewhat but the whole gun all the metal parts look just like that picture the upper that i just you sent you show, you need to show this picture to clover tack <laughs> just just because just because it's a side-by-side -side shotgun yeah right, let's see here and the other one i got here tells you it's a. Uh, don't know what it is there we go. That came out really nice. No, it's a, see, that's a model. That's a Stevens model 311. Is what it is. See, that, that came out really well. Because I would have looked at that gun and went, oh, man. That, yeah, that, that turned out really well. I mean, it's funny because I would look... You know, before even, you know, before I even met you and talked to you, I would have looked at that gun and went, yeah, that's a, that's going to need to be refinished. I, I wouldn't even thought of trying to, trying to fix that. Well, all he wanted it is to put it, to get it in shape to, in shape to where he could hang it over the mantle in his house. Yep. Because it was a gun that he shot, shot with his grandfather as a kid and he ended up with it after Katrina. And that's what it looked like. Yeah, that would be a shame for that to be a loss. Oh, I can tell you, he was more than pleased with it. So, but anyway, I would, I would be too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. Especially now, for the seventy dollars is all we charged him. That was our going fee for that. That was a steal. <laughs> that was a steal. How how long did it take you to clean that? Do you think? I bet you less than an hour. That's not. I mean, that's not bad because I would think because you think about cleaning. If you if you would just would have showed somebody the before and after and go, this is the before, this is the after, and then this is what you should do at a gun show as a, as a as a as a boot as a as a booth prize. Do a before and after. And say, how long did it take to clean to 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 fix that gun? Yeah. <laughs> and and if you guess, oh, give give him a bottle of lube or something. Because <laughs> anyway, I would have been like days. <laughs> I just I would not have been like that. That was. And it might have been. Before. It was. I don't think it was over an hour or two of actual time working on it. But. That's a great no. that's a great picture. I got hundreds and hundreds of befores and after the collage pictures I made. 
When I was actually cleaning guns. When you've cleaned thousands and thousands of guns, it wouldn't be hard to. You know, so, but no, it's kind of cool. But and that's all using our products, but that's not using our new improved lubricant, though. So I was going to talk, uh, that's where I was going to lead you to, and you, you segued perfect. So talk to us about the new and improved lube. Right. I'm going well, to the bottle which... here. Tungsten IFWS2 disulfide. Yeah, it's what it's called is IFWS2. And what IFWS2 is inorganic fullerene like tungsten disulfide. So, short, it's IFWS2. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just cool as shit. <laughs> Stuff is really awesome. Um, it took, I think, I got involved in the process of upgrading our lubricant on this last November. And we thought we would have it to market in six to eight weeks. Nine months later, we finally got our shipment of it. So it, well, it took a while. It's, it's great for the, the anniversary of the, of the company, right? So, and we've had it on the market now for less than two months. You know, so, and what it is and what tungsten disulfide is, the, the big, I mean, there's so many things the bullet points and just all the good characteristics of this product. And mind you, it's, it's an additive. So it's just added to our original lube. So all the characteristics we had before of our lube, heavier than water, um, rust inhibitors, everything else, all the good things it did, that's still there. We've just added now this to as an additive. And like I said, there's, there's just a long list of, of, really neat stuff that it does and the characteristics. But one of the biggest ones is the fact that it's the um, coefficient of friction, which we all know. It's if of right there. <laughs> you, the more friction you get, the more heat you get, the more metal wear you get, the more damage to any metal, not just firearms. But since we're in the firearms realm, you, you don't want metal on metal. You just don't. And if you don't, if you're in the gun business and you don't understand that, I'm sorry, but there's so, no help for you. <laughs> yeah, that's why there's <laughs> lubricants. And so the coefficient of friction is such an important thing. Um, certain person on Instagram reach out to me, and I almost want to make this our new co new company slogan. It's the what did he say? The term he used. It's the slickier wrist. The slickerest. The, <laughs> your product is the slickerest on the planet. <laughs> I kind of want to use that as a catchphrase for our company. We are the slickerest. We're the slickerest. But I'm not sure how you spell it. <laughs> but well, that's that's the greatest thing is since you, it's a it's a made up word. You can spell it any way you want. This is true. But getting back to it is, if he. I mean, you can people can you can research. If they don't want to believe me about IFWS two, you research and look at it. And I've read a lot, and really, the learning curve for me on this was really steep to try to understand just what it was. Because the first time it was explained it explained to me, I was sitting there like a deer caught in the headlight. Look, like what the hell are you talking? <laughs> What's that all mean? What What do you mean? 
Yeah. So what you're telling me is, it, yeah, you got to dumb it down a long ways. So let's go. <laughs> let's start. <laughs> so basically what you're telling me is this shit's really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But when you talk about coefficient of friction, as near as I've been able to tell since I started on this in last November, really looking into it, and a lot of companies don't release what their coefficient of friction is. They don't want you to know. And the only reason I can think they don't want you to know is they probably have a high number. So, and the higher the number in a coefficient of friction, the worse it is, the, the less protection you're getting. You know, so from near as I could tell, and if anybody listens to this, don't jump on here on comments on Rogue's thing and tell me I'm a dumbass and don't know it. I'm just going to tell you from what information I've been able to find that most of the gun lubes on the market that I could find anything about a coefficient of friction runs about a 0.11 to a 0.15. And they get it through a four ball test and some other tests is how they figure out the coefficient of fr friction. Well, as I got to look and we did the four ball test, they did the ASTM testing on our stuff and our coefficient of friction. Once we added this to it, it's at a 0 0.074. So if <laughs> the average on the That's market a is a 0.11, we passed them. Yeah, but the actual IFWS2, the tungsten disulfide, its coefficient of friction, and what I'm about to tell you is, according to one of the experts in the world on this stuff, read an article from this guy, and I still have the article. He says that the coefficient of friction from the additive itself, just by itself, is a point zero zero three. Wow. He said it's the lowest coefficient, the lowest metal coating on the planet known to the man on the planet right now is IFWS2. So wow. it's just amazing how it works and how, how good it is. So with that in mind, when it was brought to me, the guy that makes our stuff or chemist, he goes, well, we do it because they, the company that mixes and makes our product for us, they, their main thing is grease and um, racing boat lubricants oils, engine oils for race boats. He goes, we started, he goes, about a year prior, we started using this, playing with it in our race boat lubes and all of our other stuff. He goes, it's nothing short of miraculous. He goes, so well, it was last year when I went to um, Wanamaker. After that, part of my trip is I went and met with them and our lube people. And that's when he was showing me this. And he goes, we'd like to put it into your, your gun products. And I said, yeah. And he showed me everything about it, showed me all the testing had been done. I'm like, oh, hell yeah, let's do this. And it was like six to eight weeks. Well, not their fault because all the supply chain issues that started throughout the country, things just got stupid. Um, we just couldn't get anything made. So it took about nine months. And it was cool to finally get it. And now so far, the stuff I've been messing with it and playing with it, I'm impressed. It's just, you know, and to be 100% honest about stuff, because I, like to be straightforward with people. Our new improved lube, if you're a guy that goes and shoots 50 or 100 rounds a year, you're not going to notice any difference from our old product. You're just not. It's not going to make a difference to you. But guys that shoot full auto and shoot thousands upon 10,000s around a year, it'll make a difference for them, a, a noticeable difference. So that's what's kind of cool about that. And a little one of the things I'm going to tell you, and there's we got a video of this. I'm going to try to put it onto my website. 
the video of the company that makes it actually makes IF the tungsten disulfide. And it just explains to it in a scientific manner how it works. It talks about how, so as I've been able to learn, is most of your lubes on the market, the molecules are a platelet, so they're flat mm-hmm. and then squished between metal, and that's what you get your protection. Well, IFWS2, the molecules are round barrel formation molecules. So they, they roll between the two pieces of metal. And as they roll, they, they kind of peel off their outer layer. And that outer layer then goes in and fixes the disparity, gets pushed into the, because it's, it's a nano lube. So it gets pushed into the metal and fixes all the disparities, making it just a smooth coat on both sides of the metal with the lube so in between. Ba- so basically what you're telling me is you're putting um, a wheel bearing, you know, because wheel bearings are long tubes. You're basically putting wheel bearings into my slide as a gun. Yeah, at a, at a very nano molecular level in a lube formation. That's cool. And it's, That's cool as hell. Well, the, the other thing, too, is this, the IFWS2 was first found or invented, whatever, in Israel in like 1992. Since then, a U.S. company has bought it and owns the rights to it and everything. <clears throat> so it's out of the U.S. now it's made. But they were using it for big coal trucks, I guess, and big diesel engines and stuff put as an oil additive. And they were finding when they started using it, was such a low coefficient of friction. Not only was they they're getting about forty to fifty percent of met, saving of metalware, they were extending their oil changes like fifty to sixty percent longer, getting longer use out of their oil. Wow! So these companies are like, wow, this is it's incredible what the money saving is doing for them. Yeah, because so, you're, you're lowering you're lowering the friction, so you're not burning the oil up in heat as much. Yeah, you're because so, you're not getting as much heat. Not even much yep. wear. So as far as I know, and I could be wrong, but I don't know that there's any other lube company that it uses. I know some have used it. There was WS2 before, but I don't know if anybody's using the IFWS2 like we are. I think we might be one of the first to actually put it into a gun lubricant. But there you go. As, as well as it works, you know, the world and business and things is a copycat world. There'll be a lot of other people starting to bigger companies will jump on it. And so now, so, so now you're looking for your next thing already, right? I think you have to be, this is another point that I make to people at gun shows is some of the big boys in the industries. And I don't want to, I don't like, I'm never in the, in the market of bad mouth in another company. You'll, you know I me, mean? I'll never call anybody out by name ever. Just it's bad business. I don't think it should be done, but a lot of these companies have been around for 60, 70, 80, 100 years. And they're still using the same, they're still using the same formula they were using 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. But it's fine because they have they have name recognition, they can do that. So yeah. I kind of believe a different way. I think there's technology. Why not embrace it? And we're always I'm always going to be striving to find the next best thing to add to make stuff better. You know. Awesome. I, I think people that spend money with you, they deserve that. You to give them the best product you possibly can. Well, I mean, that's the whole idea of being in business. And that's one thing that kind of drives me nuts about the business world is there are people out there that are in business to be in business versus the people who are in business to make the world a better place, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. This is not a, you know, you're you're not 
you're not in business to lose money. I mean, you obviously no. you want your your company to be successful, but in the pursuit of that success, you're bringing your customers along with you, which is which is the cool thing about it. Oh yeah, no, it's it's quite incredible, and I don't know, it's 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 challenging, but it's also fun to go up against the big boys because the neat thing about it to this point, they don't know who we are. Yeah. And they don't care, which is kind of cool. And I like that. We're just a bunch of dumb nobodies from Idaho, which is cool. That's fine. <laughs> I was going to say a bunch of rednecks from Idaho. <laughs> which is cool. I can deal with that. Yeah. You know, but no, so I mean, just, I think it's just moving forward and finding things better. Just you might as well embrace technology and make stuff better as you can. Just move. Well, and that's, and that's the whole thing is, as technology moves on, we we as a society, I mean, you think about the, the younger generations now. I mean, they don't know the world without the internet. I mean, yeah. you, and I you and I remember the internet when it was dial-up. Um, remember 144 dial-up? I'll, I'll, I'll go one. I'll go one better to show you how old I am. Uh, or at least how long I've been playing with computers. I remember 300 baud on CompuServe. <laughs> this predates internet. But see, uh -huh. I, I was. It was 1993 the first time I bought a computer. Okay, That's when I got uh, into computer age. I had just be, got into law enforcement. My no, maybe 90. Might have been 94, I guess, or so. My son was getting to the point that I <clears throat> computers were becoming such a thing that I wanted him to have a head start and get into it. So we bought a computer for him to start. And it had a 14.4. It was, it was the very, it was a Pentium 75 or Pentium 50, whatever it was. Yeah. It, they, it just got, they had just moved up from the 686s. Yeah. Because I had. To the, uh, or 586, whatever it was, to the Pentiums. It was, and a, I just, it was four, yeah, it went from 40, 486 to Pentium. Um, so I remember, I see, I started in computers. I was in third grade. It was 1980. It was a Commodore pet. I remember Vic 20, Commodore 64, Apple II, and all that stuff. And I remember when the original IBM came out where it was the 8088. Um, and yeah, going through all this stuff all the way up to the modern processors. Now it's just technology is, expanding yeah i mean like by leaps and bounds i forget what the law is but basically the technology doubles every time it doubles the time is half um yeah i mean it's just you have you have to embrace technology right i mean sooner or later you, you either you embrace it or you're you're irrelevant and well unless you have a big enough name in an industry you can yeah. withstand that well Unless you, unless you can hold on to that big boat anchor as, as long as you can because you're you're a big ship. But well, yeah, the problem is, is most gun people, I guess, aren't as anal as I am about it and think about caring, taking care of your product that you bought. Most people, you know how many times I hear people at gun shows, oh, you need a damn WD-40, it works just fine. I'm like, God, you're a moron if you do that. I'm sorry. I don't mean to alienate anybody, but WD-40 is not meant to be used on your firearms well wd-40 is not technically a lubricant no it is not 
But it's a water displacement. W D. It's for and it, it doesn't even the, do as a as a chemical. It doesn't even do that. Pour WD forty yeah. in a glass of water. Yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, it was basically to dry uh, to for distributors, wasn't it? Wasn't it, it what they it dry came stuff out? With? It's a different process. It's not really displacing. It is, but it's drying it out through a yeah. chemical thing. It's not because it's not heavier than water. No, it floats on the top of water. So, but but it does what it does well. That's why yeah, they've been successful. Just, it's funny how that just became kind of the the go to for everybody, and it's just like you, know, you talk to people and like you realize that's not actually a lubricant. I mean, it's wet, so technically it's a lubricant just because it's wet, but it's not it's not a lubricant. And we don't we use one lubricant in our house and for everything. Stick squeaky well, hinges, our automatic our garage door rails get to squeaking. We everything we use our each is lubricant. That's it, all it's we funny, use. It's our funny bike chain. I I've used this for everything, and it was funny because I know when we were talking before, uh, the cleaner gets used for more things than guns too, which is oh we use it cool. for we use it for a lot of stuff. We use the cleaner for I just refinished and redid a little chair we have on the porch. It's got a mosaic top on it. The metal was all rusted, and I had been putting my grill brush on it, so the grease had been put in. I used Aegis products to overhaul that and get it all ready to paint. I used R2 products. I mean, I told you before, I use, I use the cleaner because um, we have uh, a wood stove, uh, not a wood stove, yeah, a wood stove, right? And the carbon buildup on the glass gets really bad. <laughs> I, I use this to take that carbon off the glass. Um, you know, I've taken stickers <laughs> off of vehicles Vinyl stickers and stuff with our lubricant. I haven't even thought about that. Oh, I didn't it's even pretty good at taking stickers that. off. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's so there's a lot of things. A bike chains is one of the good things that we've had several people get a hold of us and say they used it on our bikes. And one of our followers on Instagram, his wife used it on her um, triathlon bike in the Florida triathlon. Oh, that's cool. And he sent me a big. Well, he doesn't mind. He said I could use his stuff. He goes by the name Chaotic K9 on Instagram. Cool dude. Used his stuff. He said it worked great on his wife's bike for her bike chain. So she started using and I actually got a really long write-up he wrote about our stuff. You know, which well, was extremely funny. nice. He was very nice to us. And it was kind of nice to read. Because if you think about so, it, if, he's do if, if she's doing a triath uh, triathlon in Florida, Florida has this thing called humidity, yeah, which is water in the which air. Which we had in Texas. Which you had in Texas, um, yeah. and they there's these things in in Florida that happen a lot. It rain showers because it gets so humid. It's you know yeah. So she has that protection since it's you know heavier than water. The oil stays on the chain, and it gives her just that little extra competitive advantage. Yeah, I mean, go check him out. Like, he's got an Instagram page and stuff. It's called Chaotic Canine. Awesome. Cool, dude. The, some of the other little things is we had a guy come to one of our gun shows a year ago, bought a bottle of our lube. Several months later at another gun show, he shows up again to buy another bottle. And 
He goes, I want to tell you guys that he went through that much. (laughs) Well, he's a rancher here in Idaho. He goes, what I started using your stuff for is I got my locks and all my gates and I got a bunch of them. He goes, they freeze up in the winter. They get moisture in them and they freeze and the key won't go in and work. He goes, I've always used WD-40. I'd spray it in there and it would keep them thawed out for a day or two. Well, one day I didn't, ran out of WD-40. Your bottle was sitting in my truck because I had it for my guns. He said, what the hell? I poured it in there and he goes, it was three weeks before I had to put anything in there again. That's awesome. <laughs> he goes, so that's what I'm using your product for. And I go, dude, that is so awesome. <laughs> it's amazing the uses that you can find from your product just from people who use it because I never would have thought of a lock like that. Right. Me neither. He didn't either. He goes, let me try it. It's sitting right here. Yeah. He he had one of those, what the hell moments. And, And, um, and it worked. (laughs) A guy that works with my wife on his, he's got a little property that he farms too. And he's on his wheel lines. He bought a, we did a special deal for him because he works with my wife, but we sold him a gallon of it to use on the chains on his wheel lines because so it would work better than some of the lubricant he'd been using. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's cool. Yeah, but, it's, it, well, and that's, a, that's the one thing about the product is, you know, you're known because of guns, right? Because, well, you're in the gun community. This is a gun channel. Every, uh, we all know the same people, right? You and I know the same people. I mean, I yeah. learned about you from Ghost, from Ghost Tactical. And, you know, we know the same people. We're a gun thing. But the uses of this goes way beyond guns. And while you're saying, all hell, Ghost. Yeah. Everybody all bow hell and hail to Ghost. No. Definitely. Trey's but, a cool dude. I met him in Clovertack at SHOT Show Range Day for Ontario's Alliance. 2017, 2018. And just they're awesome. such cool people. Um, Clover Tack and Armentia and Trey and Michael Woodland met them all together. And I've just been friends with them ever since. Yeah, and they're, all they're, of them have been, people. they've been such huge supporters of ours. And I, I just can't say enough about how much they've supported us and stuff. And it's pretty because, awesome. Always a big shout out to them. I've, hang, I've hung out with them for a couple of years. I didn't physically get to meet them until SHOT Show this year, right? And what's what's so cool is we, you know, we all we all bumped up together for for SHOT Show. You know, we had a, a Verbo that we rented for SHOT. And, uh, you know, we split it three ways. And it was so funny because, you know, I, I, I'm on their, their podcast. We talk, you know, we text and call, phone calls and stuff like that. But I never met them. Um, I remember it was Sunday because Monday is range day. And I, I just came in on Sunday to the house. They were there Saturday. And I, I remember coming wa- walking down and they had just came back to the house from going to tour uh, the Hoover Dam. And there comes ghosts came walking up and it's like the big old man hug. Right. I mean, he's just, he's an amazing guy. And I'm like, cool. And, you know, we got talking and, you know, it was nice to finally meet each other physically, you know, face to face. And, and then, um, cool. I went walking, continued down the stairs and there was Clover. I mean, same thing. They're just amazing people. Um, See, when I met them, I didn't watch podcasts. 
at that point. I didn't know yeah, who they were. They came up to at the interior of the lens. We had our mobile gun cleaning trailer there. They come up and said they were podcasts, like to talk to us. And I'm like, okay, what the hell? Let's talk. And so I started telling them about it, started messing with our product. And and that's when I said, well, <clears throat> I remember saying, well, you guys want to meet somebody that you might be able to do a podcast on here. Come on, let's go down the, down the range, down the road a little bit. And I introduced him to Charlie Melton because Charlie and I and my wife had all become friends and everything else. And so, and just ever since then, then we made a, I just remember making a deal. We said, Hey, let's get together. Cause at the time Trey was doing this um, range tour or training tour segment, going to different training courses and documenting them. So we got them hooked up to come out to Charlie's place later that year, maybe the next year. I can't remember. And spend a couple of days, him and Clover and everyone. it was a lot of fun. But now that's the funny thing. A lot of people know him as podcasters. When I first met him, I didn't know him from Adam. I didn't watch podcasts. <laughs> And that's the thing about them is they're just what you see is what you get with them. They're just genuine people, um, which is which is what's so great. I mean, uh, both of them know that for for me, when I say that someone's a friend, I I, I, I like to say I have very few friends, but I have a lot of acquaintances. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're it, when I say someone's a friend, it, it means something, right? Oh yeah, and they are—they are truly friends. Um, you know, and I remember I—I I, I got into it, it was before uh, it was before a podcast one night. Um, there's some people on the panel, and I—I I said that whole thing. I have—I have a few friends, and uh, and uh, you know, a bunch of acquaintances. And actually, I—I I had expanded it at the time. It was I have friends, acquaintances, and uh, I have friends, buddies, and acquaintances. And the person, yeah. one of the people on the uh, on the panel was like, "What's the difference?" I go, "Trust level, right?" And he goes, "Well, what are we here?" I go, "Well, some of you are acquaintances, and some of you are buddies." <laughs> yeah. And and the guy was pissed at me. I was like, "You asked." <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, don't... I I remember telling my daughter, who's twenty eight now. I think she was 18 or 19. She's out of high school and her of her high school friend that they had been had a fallen out. She was all upset. And I said, honey, I just need to understand something. You're going to go through your whole life and you're going to meet a lot of people and you're going to like a lot of people. And you're going to get along with them, but you're going to, I can guarantee you, unless you're really lucky at the, when you get 50, 60 years old, you're going to be able to count on one hand, the people that are true friends that will do anything for you. That will fly uh, halfway I, around the world if you call and said, "I'm stuck. I'm in trouble. I'm in Spain. I'm wherever." That will do something to help you. I can tell you that I. That's can a count, small group. I can count on one hand that number, but I can't count it on two. Yeah. Um, it, 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 and, and that's what it is. It's just. It's truly. I know people that. Man, I, I will call up. They'll be there in a second. Um, and I, it's just, it's one of those things of you, you choose, you choose who you allow to be close to you. And yeah. it's, yeah, they're, they're amazing people. They are. And I have no problems Did did I tell you what I did to Trey at shot this year? No. Um, so <laughs> I was, I was on his podcast one night. And I had my 
I had my camera turned off because I was I was working on something that I didn't want him to see. I had 3D printed a challenge coin maker with his his logo. And it took me a while to reverse the logo and all this stuff. And what I was doing was is I was melting Crayolas into it to make the actual challenge <laughs> coin. Right. So for those of you in the podcast that don't know, Trey was in the Marine Corps. Right. So he's a Marine true and true. And Marines are called crayon uh, eaters, right? So, so at the at the house, I gave him the <laughs> the Crayola challenge coin. He's like, "This is awesome!" You know, he 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 gets off on that stuff. And then I gave see, him the cha- then I gave him the challenge coin maker so he could make as many as he wanted. <laughs> did you hear what my wife and I did at Wanamaker's two years ago? Three years ago, when we went, met him out there. We were all uh, staying at the same motel. So we got there before they did. So well, I drove, my wife flew in, and when she flew in, trailing guys weren't there yet. So when we went and checked in, we thought of something. So we ran down to Walmart. We bought a box of crayons. When we went back and told the front desk, we said, this guy, this is his name. These are the group. When they check in, you need to slide this across to him and say, um, Aegis Gun Care said they brought after a long trip, you would need a snack and ask me to give this to you. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, so they gave him this pack of crayons, him. and it was like, oh, that's funny. But I would have oh, loved well. to have seen his face on that. So, but no. <laughs> Hopefully, well, we'll get out there we, back with him soon. But I'm trying to think. We've been for a while here. Um, where can people meet, uh, you know, run into, you know, how, they, how can they meet you? You know, because you're, you're at gun shows in Idaho. You've got a website, you got Instagram. How can people reach you? No, that's through our social media. I mean, or just email, email me. It's aegisguncare at gmail.com. Pretty simple. Um, I try to at least a week in advance, put out what gun shows, what events we're going to be at. You know, so I think here coming up the 17th, 18th of September, we're going to be at the gun show at the Fort Idaho Center here in Nampa. The two-day gun show will be at that. And then later, like the 24th, the um, Southwestern Idaho Business Alliance, we just recently became a member of the group. It's called SWIBDA. Here, they're having another big event. It's like a five- or six-hour event on the 24th. We'll be at that. Um stuff like that we try to do as much as we can you know but i mean to be honest we're a small company i don't have we don't have the funds to travel all over the world i would love to go people always ask me well why aren't you going to this why aren't you going to that why well they're on the east coast what? they're in florida you know it's like well pay for it we'll be there yeah yeah i will i would be more than happy to be at shot show if someone comes up with the million dollars for the booth oh yeah I, yeah, you know how many people have told me, you guys really for your product should have a booth at Shots. And I've said, no, really, we shouldn't. Yeah. Because that'll yeah. kill our company. And, and people don't realize that, right? Because, you know, um, even yeah. in like you in the YouTube world, people like, I want that, you know, I'm going to be a content creator and I want that, you know, that video to go viral. Like my first video is going to go viral. Actually, you don't because that'll kill you because that's the expectation for your second video, right? Oh yeah. Um, 
I mean, that's the whole thing is that, you know, if you go to these larger trade shows and someone comes up to you, go, hey, Rod, I need two million gallons of each one of your products. Yeah. It's like, that ain't happening. Like, uh, uh, um, uh, <laughs> I can't do well, that. All right. Here's my $10 million bill that you need to pay within 30 days. Then we'll <laughs> get your stuff to you. Cash up front. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's true. I mean, we, as much as I would love to bite off and with my last company, we kind of, I tried to do that and I don't even want to get into it. It's a long story, but it's just going to go down a bad place. But I learned a lesson about just realizing, understanding who you are and what you are. We are not a big major company. You know, it's like right now people are like, why aren't you in this store? Why aren't you in this store? And it's like, cause we have, we have only so much bandwidth as the company we are right now. We're still working on our ability to expand and grow. You know, so I can only handle so many dealers that I can do right now. Well, the, the company know, so. is one and a half people right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, it's two people because my wife works a full time job and then she does all the book work, everything, all that end of it. There's just two of us. I mean, yeah. I've had people say you should never let people know you're that small. No, oh, why? I'm just being honest. That's who we are. Well, I that's the whole thing is that, I mean, you know exactly who you are. I mean, you're doing exactly what people spend their entire life trying to figure out, right? Who they are, what they want to be, and how they want to act. And I guarantee if you Today, send an email, if you send an email to each is guncare.com, I'm going to read it. I read every single one and I reply to every single one. And it's me replying to you. It's not some paid employee. It's I reply to everybody. On top of getting yeah. shipping done, you know, and I mean, and plus the other thing that I that I I pride myself on, and we hear this so much, and I love hearing it, is how great our customer service is. I we will blow the big boys' doors off every day at customer service. Yeah, it, there's just no they can't compete with us on that level. Because yeah, I mean, I I truly mean this, and I know people say stuff, and people oh they're just saying that, but I truly honestly mean that when I tell people you spend your hard-earned money with us we're gonna take care of you I get it you know, you know I just... was into it I was in a uh, forum one time talking to a, an FFL on the East Coast back you know, back when I was an FFL and and uh, he put out a question he was like how do you compete as a as a you know as a as a solo independent gun dealer how do you compete against the big box stores and my response was you don't no. You don't do that. I go, you, you're, you're not understanding the business. This is guerrilla warfare. I go, I go, the way that my business works is that I'm not going to be able to sell that gun the cheapest. You know, you can go right down this, down the road, five miles to a big box store, and you're going to be able to buy that gun cheaper. The thing is, is that when you go there and it's a busy day and you get ignored for an hour, or you get some, year old, get some 22-year-old get some 22-year-old dude that doesn't have any clue what he's talking about. Has no idea. I go, when when you're buying a gun from me or you're doing a transfer or whatever, you're not buying you're not buying the gun. You're not buying that service. You're buying customer service. 
because during that time, you have me. I'm not answering the phone. I'm not answering emails. It's one-on-one -on -one and it's us doing this transaction. When you're done, I will catch up on everything else. Well, and you, I think you have to be, and I think it's just that it's a responsible thing. It's like last year when we first started, we were just trying new bottles, new lid caps and stuff. Well, we got a, a lot of caps that leaked. And it, I was trying to do induction sealing, anything I could do to keep those from leaking. Well, we just had people ended up getting leaky bottles. Some of them, the whole bottle leaked out in the box, some of them just a little bit. But every time one of them called me and said that would happen, reached out to me, we sent them a brand new bottle. You know, it's just, that's just what it is. They, they spent money and they lost half of the bottle in, in transit, lost a quarter of the bottle. It didn't matter. Like, okay. Here's a new bottle coming your way, free of charge, covered shipping, covered everything. You know, and I, some people think, wow, yeah, well, that's, but a lot of companies don't do that. They're going to want you to prove to them and all this other crap. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I think it's important to take care of the people that support you. And that's, Absolutely. and I probably, I've had people tell me, well, you give out too many free products for giveaways. And I probably do, but these are, even though they're small Instagram channels, YouTube channels, they support me. So when they're doing a giveaway, I'll throw them products to give away. I'll give them to them. It's like, here you go. You know, to yeah, in their I mean, giveaway. And that's the whole thing is that you're building that base um, off of, I mean, you know, I know, I know the, the same people you do. I know where those bottles will be given away. I, I know those people. They've been on my podcast. I've been on their podcast. We yeah. talk. Um, and it's, it, you know, that's the whole thing is they're building that base. You're building it with them. It's a partnership is all you're doing. You're, you're partnered with the content creator and you're partnered with the end customer. Yeah. I mean, and you're going to do everything you can to make sure everything is right. And they have a I, I'm a firm believer that it's building relationships is more important than making a quick buck. Absolutely. It's a lot more important. You know, like I always I tell people, and I, I firmly believe this, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. You know, we're in a marathon, you know, so. And in 26 miles, I plan on being here still. Yeah, absolutely. Still, you know, so. still looking at the big boys going, I still got a better product than you guys. Yeah. I mean, I would trust me. I would love to have a very small percentage of their market share. Oh, God, would I? But it is what it is. And we'll get there. One day. Yep. One day. So, you know, because I I right. firmly believe and it's just not being me being arrogant. I firmly believe we have the best products on the market. I, I just do. I I haven't seen anything out else out there. There's one other product on the market that is comparable to ours. And that's it. I'm, I'm not gonna say who I, that is, and I've met the I, owner. It's a nice person. I, <laughs> I haven't even found that product. But yeah, yeah there I mean, is one. This Even is, though I still think, is... I think we're better than they are, especially with our new improvement, but they still have a good product. That if I didn't have ours, I would use theirs. <laughs> so there you go. So, I mean, definitely everyone out there, go check out Aegis Gun Care. I will have the links down below in the description, whether you're on audio or video. So that way you can get a hold of Aegis Gun Care. Um, and definitely check out the products because 
what's cool about this stuff, I mean, for those of you in the video, these bottles look small. They go a long, long way. Well, the lubricant um, is a two-ounce bottle, and the cleaner is a four-ounce bottle. So, and the other thing, too, I want to, I know we've been going a long time, but I really want to put out to people. If you buy our product, our gun, and we have these gun cleaning kits that I've built, I made, I put them all together. Awesome. It's my idea, yeah. everything. And if you buy any of our products and you get our product, our lube, our solvent, one of our gun cleaning kits, and you think, wow. And I mean, honest, not just BS. And you think, I know how to make this better. Reach out to me, please. Because we've added things like our precision needle tip applicator to our lube yes. bottles, our little and our deluxe kit, the um, little dental pick, the little scraping for anything. Those were all came to be because of customer recommendations. Had enough yeah, people it's... say, hey, this would be cool. That would be cool. So guess what? We listened to them and I do listen to people and we were able to find them at a decent price. And so now they're they're on our website. They're part of our product line. So, so if you have a request, I'm, make sure you reach out the rod. You just might see it show up. And and no, I don't want to hear, how about a two for one all day long? No, and that's not the stuff I'm talking about. I want to hear stupid stuff like that, okay? Because <laughs> we are not a nonprofit. No, you are not a nonprofit. <laughs> At least um, we're trying hard not to be a nonprofit. <laughs> well, last time we talked, uh, yeah, the company was really young. Uh, I joked around saying that it was really uh, because your wife works a full-time job. She was actually financing everybody, everybody's uh, kits because well, she still is. You know, there you go. Cause, cause I always said that everybody needs to thank Mrs. Aegis uh, because, because she's out there working the money. You can, you can build the business, get the kits, get the stuff together and get the product out. Without well, her, and if, with all being said, if she wasn't involved when we left the last company and got out of that that ownership group and moved to Idaho, we started talking about doing this, and I was interested about doing. I had some friends pushing me to do it, and if it wouldn't have been for her, we wouldn't have done it. Well, you know, one of those friends we had already talked about on the show. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, very much so, and. So, I mean, she she gave their blessing and she was 100% behind it. And so we it wouldn't have happened. It just wouldn't have happened without my wife, without Shelly being there and supporting it. It never would have happened. We, real quickly, we joke that Shelly, she's the v, VP, but she's the vice president with veto power, though. <laughs> so. All right. On, on that note, why don't we wrap up real quick with a speed round? Go so, for it. On a rifle, red dot or a scope? I guess that depends what what I'm doing with it. Just what would you prefer, given optimal for, choice? For my lifestyle now, I don't really hunt big game or do that anymore. I would do more probably shooting if I was gonna three gun type stuff. So it'd be a red dot. Okay. So for low light situations. A weapon-mounted light or a handheld flashlight? I'm old school handheld. I kind of figured that was going to be the case. Just hey, from, I bought... Just from the way you grew up in, in law enforcement. 
I bought a weapon mounted light and I tried to use it for several months and I, and I just, I still have it. It was on my Glock 19. Now, then I put it on one of my Canics. I'm still trying to progress farther to that. I haven't made it there yet. Still, still trying to do that. Back to back. And <laughs> so, yes, well, handheld. All right. For gun cleaning, metal rod or carbon fiber rod? To be honest with you, I've never used a carbon fiber rod. Really? So no, I never have. I've used brass rods and stuff my whole life. That's all I've ever used. But I think I would like the carbon fiber better. And I've actually looked at them to put them in gun kits, but they're not cheap. No, they're expensive. Yeah, they I've, expensive. we've looked into that. So, I'm no, to be honest, I would say carbon fiber just because of the product and all the characteristics of it over brass. I think probably carbon fiber. It just match your product better, right? But I mean, no, I actually looked at technology over technology. I look to getting awesome. them to go into a shotgun gun cleaning kit that I want to do, but they're a little out of my price range right now. Oh, shotgun cleaning kit. That's, yeah. it's, I kind of spilled the bean. Yeah, that's our, my next. Uh. I don't know when I'm going to get it out. but <laughs> Oops. But so. the problem is, it's like for the carbon fiber, I have to buy like 50,000 units for it to be cost effective. And I can't, I can't yeah, do that. Can't. Yeah, it's, it's, be, it's beyond your reach at, at this time. So, so, a jag or a slotted patch holder? I'm a slotted patch guy. See, I figured that the second you said uh, a handheld flashlight, I figured it was going to be a patch. Um, and for the final question, what is the single thing that most people or that people do when cleaning their guns that drives you nuts? This is going to be weird, but it's not cleaning their gun. Oh, there you go. It's going having a malfunction and going to a gunsmith because you think you have a mechanical error. Ninety percent of the time, it's a cleaning error. Your gun's That's dirty. We were talking about we were talking about that the other night on the phone. That's probably my biggest one: is not cleaning your gun. Go into it. Not nothing against gunsmiths, but go into a gunsmith when it's not a gunsmith issue. Yeah, those failures can be yeah. fixed with just cleaning your gun. Especially, and we won't get in it because I don't want to get the hate mail and all the vitriol and all the stuff, but depending on what kind of gun you're using, too. Yes, very <laughs> much. Very much. So, Rod, thank you for joining me today. It's great talking to you again. Um, thanks for taking time out of your day and, and your time away from Aegis to, to just kind of sit back and have some fun on the podcast today. No, I, this is kind of fun. It's like you said, relaxed. We talked a little bit about our products, which I like talking about, but just other stuff too, just to sit and BS. Yeah, it is because because this was pretty much <laughs> kind of our conversation on the phone the other night. Uh, yeah, so funny. It, we we were talking when you were walking me through that uh, that rust issue, and then we get well, like like any other time the two of us get talking, we get talking forever. Like right now, we're at an hour and 50 like right minutes. And, yep. <laughs> but, but I could talk. Well, it's it's easy to do. I got um, last year, not too long after we launched and everything, DLD After Dark got a hold of me and asked me to be on their, their podcast. Oh, man. I, I was on his Dark podcast and I talked for three hours. We talked for two hours and 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was on, and I when loved, I was on his podcast, I was on there for three hours. 
Like, and I, I love that dude. This is just for my wife going, are you okay down there? I'm like, yeah, I'm having a great time. No, I, I mean, I've never met Dark in person, but I love that dude. And he's I such a personable guy. And he, I enjoyed the hell out of being awesome on his, guy. been on his podcast for almost three hours. It was totally awesome. Well, it's funny about his podcast. You have no idea where that podcast is going to go. You are, that, that is, that is truly a podcast where it's sit down and strap on because it's going to be a fun ride. And it might be all night long. It might be all night. Like he goes until basically everybody calls it quits. Yeah, no, he's a good dude. He really is. So anybody out there that hasn't found out about DLD After Dark, hook him up. Take a look at him. Go follow him. Because I can't, I can't confirm or deny that we haven't talked about him joining my podcast one night. No, oh, that'd be cool. So, he's a, yeah, it'd definitely be cool. He's a, he's a great guy. I'm not a big podcaster. I've done a few now, but that's the longest I've ever been on a podcast was on Darks. Uh, me too. And, and they kept going. <laughs> well, they kept going. I it, I finally had to, I was like, dude, I'm done. I gotta go to bed. Because <laughs> I'd also had several bourbons through the night too as we were talking. I'm like, okay, it's time for me to, I can't, I'm done. Yeah, that's the thing about that sh- about that show. It's it, it's it's not hard to sit there and enjoy an adult beverage as you as you enjoy the conversation with him. Yeah, it's always good conversations, but cool, man. Yeah. Cool. All right, Rod. Well, thanks again, and uh, I will make sure that all of the links are down in the. Uh, the description below for everybody. So that way, if you are driving, do not try to write it down. You can just go back to the podcast and click on it and get in touch with Rod. I would love to. Love to hear from people. I really like talking to Rod. He's such a great guy. And um, it's so funny when he was walking me through taking the rust off that SIG, um, we just got talking. I mean, we just, just start BSing and it's just the way Rod is. He's just so easy to talk to. And, um, he was out on his back porch when he was talking to me through this. And um, we were talking so long that his wife came out and she's like, who are you talking to? And he goes, it's the rogue banshee. Oh, okay. and she went back. And we just, we just had a good time talking. And that's actually where we got the idea to get together on the podcast and just kind of just have a nice relaxed thing. I mean, there was a format to it. I had notes and quite frankly, in 20 minutes, I knew that my notes were just gone, right? I mean, we just started talking. I had all kinds of questions about him being former law enforcement and and things like that. And maybe I'll save them up for another show. Uh, But Rod and I just really enjoyed having a conversation and just letting the podcast go the way it went. It just, whatever came up, that's what we talked about. So I really hope you enjoyed this. Really, really make sure that you check out Rod's products. I'll have the links down in the description below. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. I look forward to talking to you again soon.